Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Boom, what up? It's Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, today, broadcasting from the Nutmeg State, but uh, via or via, why don't we go via? Via, whatever. Uh, the uh, the Golden State of California, whatever. Wherever you listen to this show, whether it's on SiriusXM, on the iHeart app, or on our hundreds and growing affiliate base, which I, I was told yesterday there would be really good news of a couple of notable uh, Fox Sports Radio affiliate additions. I'll wait with bated breath on that news. Welcome into the Doug Gottlieb Show. Um, I can only think that this season, which may come to an end, has one parallel, but even that it doesn't match up to. That one parallel, if the season comes to an unceremonious, ceremonious end tonight. Because, look, there'll be confetti falling. People will start to talk about it, the Golden State Warriors being the greatest and most dominant team ever. Uh, it's, a, it's a very complex conversation to which I, I will continue to have. 
But if this if the season were to end today, which for the record is my least favorite statement that people make in the middle of a season, right? If the season were to end today, guess what? Season doesn't end today. On the other hand, this is the actually we're at the precipice of the end of the NBA season. If the season ends today, this is the most overpromised, underdelivered pile of crap NBA season we've ever seen. Right? This is the Mayweather Pacquiao of basketball seasons. That's what it is. Now, I'm not here to defame the Golden State Warriors because they've been spectacular in the playoffs. Nor am I talking trash about LeBron James, who statistically has continued his dominance, was incredibly efficient in the regular season, and has only taken that to another step in the playoffs. But I was I was told that the NBA was back. I had a feeling, and I've watched these players. There's a ton of up-and-coming and already-arrived talent in the NBA. But the fact that we knew beyond a reasonable doubt which two teams would play in the finals, and they matched up in the finals, and there's been this amount of disparity in wins and losses between them and the rest of the league and each team and each other. Then you look back to the regular season, to which really is, in fact, meaningless, right? Boston had the best regular season uh, in the East, and though the Warriors seem to figure it out, you know they haven't lost a game with all four of their big four, we're going to call them, even those really big three, um, since, like, February 13th. Like, it's crazy. Like, I thought we would have an epic, titanic duel of two superpowers, and I thought along the path we would have more of what we saw from Indiana pushing the Cavs to the limits, but we saw none of that. A completely non-competitive season with super competitive athletes. There's all this palaver about the MVP, and is it Harden, is it Westbrook? Which, by the way, I just hate the idea that we're still a couple weeks away from them officially announcing who's going to win the MVP. It's going to be Westbrook. And how little that actually has an effect on who's good. It's so much based upon stats, and those those stats, it's hard to add them up because sometimes you're playing against teams that are tanking. Sometimes you're playing against teams that are sitting their best players. It's just really hard. I love basketball. I have a great amount of respect for the amount of talent in the NBA. But I was promised the moon. And I was delivered very, very little. Like, if the season ends today, I get four NBA Finals games? I get 16 playoff games with the Warriors? Is that the most you can give me? And I will grant you, the Warriors are awesome. They're, they're awesome. And 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 I think what, what's maybe most interesting is this presumption that they're the greatest team ever. They're going through the most dominant run ever. Part of it is the salary cap limits how many great players you can a- accumulate. Right? Like there's this weird argument we're making. And generally I agree with let me just I'm gonna set up Steve Kerr's argument, and it's a smart one, right? It's it's the argument about the, you know, 67 Corvette or even the 75 Corvette and the 2017 Corvette, like the one Jeff Gordon's going to join us later on in the show. 
Jeff Gordon's charity gives away Corvettes to raise money for childhood can- fighting childhood cancer. Like, if you've driven a 2017 Corvette, it's about as awesome as an automobile can possibly be. If you've driven a 1975 Corvette, it it you it looks about as awesome as a even a fixed up one, but it doesn't have power steering. There's probably a pretty good chance the air conditioner doesn't work. And unless you've added on, you don't have Bluetooth. You have Bluetooth? Like, you don't have all the things that make driving in 2000, a smart car. Like, 2017 Corvette is an, actually a better car. You may have this nostalgia for 75 or nostalgia for a 67, and they may be worth more money because of how old they are. But in terms of what's actually a better car, the car industry has evolved, and 2017 Corvette is a better car. Period. Stop. End of story. It's faster. It's quicker. It handles better. It lasts longer. The seats are more comfortable. It's safer. And the music system's better. The tires are better. The brakes are better. Outside of that, it takes better fuel, and it probably gets better fuel economy. Did I miss anything? So I agree with the general premise that guys are better now than they were then. The hard part now is that the salary cap can be so limiting that we're sitting here going like, this is the best, uh, LeBron, this is the most firepower I've ever seen. Like, that, that, that's not a better, uh, uh, for, for, for this era, compi- compare that to the era of the great Lakers teams where you had Kareem, Worthy, Byron Scott, Magic Johnson, Jamal Wilkes, um, uh, Michael Thompson, Michael Curry, M- Michael Cooper, all on the same team. Like, those were better teams. They just didn't have a salary cap. So in that era, there wasn't the level of dominance that they have now. Here's Steve Kerr. But they're all right. They would all kill us. <laughs> <laughs> the game gets worse as time goes on. Yeah, it's, it's horrible to watch, right? So players are less talented than they used to be. The guys in the 50s would have destroyed everybody. <laughs> weird how human evolution is sort of like goes in reverse in sports. Players get weaker, smaller, less skilled. I, don't, I can't explain it. Mm. Mm. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I agree generally with his premise. Like, I know, as a former player myself... I know the feeling that a lot of these former players have. And I, I talked to a couple of them. They're like, players, they don't know how to play now. They're not as skilled. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're way more skilled passing, dribbling, shooting. They may not have as much feel because so many of them spent less time in college. And that's one of the things that Kerr's guys, a lot, a lot of them spent multiple years, three, four years in college. So they have a little bit better fundamentals off without the basketball in their hand. With the basketball in their hand, these guys are crazy skilled. Longer, more athletic, in better shape than previous generations could only hope to be. I think what's missing in the argument about the older teams and today's teams is the fact that today's teams are incredibly top-heavy. Because that's the way in which most of them are constructed. Like LeBron, Kevin Love, and Kyrie, like they're going to make most of the money. And then you spent probably too much money on Tristan Thompson. And then you just kind of got to figure out, all right, now we got to get a two guard and let's go spend you know, 12 on J.R. Smith. Which seems like a lot of money. But then when you compare him to some of the other elite two guards in the NBA, you're like, oh, that's actually like half as much money as the best two guards get. So I, I can agree with Steve Kerr in that players are better. 
but I will disagree with the notion that these are better teams because they don't have the depth of talent because there are more teams and there are fewer stars on these teams because the stars are all spread out because of the salary cap. That's how it's designed. And the flaw within the new collective bargaining agreement was that it didn't account for something like Steph Curry, who was wildly underpaid in his second contract because he had ankle injuries in his first contract. And for the idea that, that, uh, that Kevin Durant would walk away from his Larry Bird clause in his deal, that he would take a little bit less in order to win a championship. It didn't account for that because that's not generally what's done. Teams were better, even if the skill of those players, they were better in because they had a greater depth of quality players for their era in comparison to this era. So Steve Kerr is right. Like, stop it. If you Go back and watch the 70s and the 80s, and you look at the number of three-point shots. Like, these guys are incredibly skilled. But I, I'm told these are super teams. It's like, all right, you got three really good scores. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know? Like, Draymond Green's a really good player. Like, is he is he head and shoulders better than Dennis Rodman? Like, no, Dennis Rodman's better at everything other than shooting. Maybe passing as well. But then I'm left with, I'm just left with this empty feeling. Tonight's probably the last competitive basketball game. I know the big three gets in a way. Fox Sports 1, end of the month. I know there's the NBA draft coming up on the 22nd of June. I know there's, uh, I know there's Summer League. I know there's AAU. Like, dude, we're not going to have any basketball. And we were told this was going to be a great basketball season. And it really hasn't been a great basketball season. We still have a big group of teams that were tanking at the bottom of the league. We had star players taking up to 10 games off during the regular season. We had an MVP race, which really deceived us as to who were actually the best players in the league. They were just really, really productive, but not necessarily as good of players as Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and some of these other superstars. And we had a playoffs that was completely and totally non-competitive, including a finals, which is what we built up to, which was Mayweather-Pacquiao, and it ended up being like Mayweather-Pacquiao. The NBA overpromised and under-delivered. And that, my friends, is bad business. That, my friends, is bad business. We'll catch up with Michael Thompson upcoming next. He's a former Laker. We'll ask him about the depth of talent on his best Lakers team. We'll ask him about his son, how he's broken out of a shooting slump, and the overwhelming rumors that at some point he'll get tired of being the third wheel and he'll split to go home to L.A. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show. That's upcoming next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show rolls on Fox Sports Radio. He was the former number one overall pick in the NBA draft. He's a two-time NBA champion. Of course, he's also a broadcaster for the L.A. Lakers. By the way, he's the father of Clay Thompson. He's Michael Thompson. He joins us on uh, on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Michael, um, let's just, let's just start with Clay. What's what's changed? I mean, so many people pointed out, hey, look, he might be tired in Game One when he really struggled. Uh, to make shots because he was doing such a good job at the defensive end. From your perspective, how has he been able to get his offensive game going in these past two games? 
I think uh, last couple of games he's got score, scoring early. When he gets involved early, it gets him into a rhythm. And, uh, of course, when you see, like Clay always says, you see the first few shots go down, that helps you to relax and just play your game. And before that, a lot of times, not involved. I what from I was watching into the games early. You'd be standing around too much and not touching the ball often enough in the first quarter. Uh, last couple of games, he's got involved in the offense early. Shots have fall, fell, uh, fall for it, fell for him, and that helped him relax and get into a nice rhythm throughout the game. There's there are people that say, oh, he couldn't be happy in that role. Like there's just no way he could be. Durant gets all the headlines, and if he doesn't, it's about Steph. They, they they do ask Clay at the dais, at the podium, how he feels. He is he is part of that triumvirate, but he feels like the third uh, most beloved of the Golden State Warriors. You raised him. You know him. W- what What's the sense you get of how he handles the stardom, but maybe not the superstardom that his teammates receive? Well, when you talk to those people who question if Clay's happy in the Bay playing with this team and with these superstars he plays, you ask those same people, uh, would they trade, trade, change places with him? Would they, would they like to average 25 points a game and win 42 games and be out of the playoffs in the first round or not make the playoffs or not make the finals or play with two other all-star Hall of Famers, average a little bit less, and have a chance to win multiple rings? What, what do you think they choose? I don't. I don't know. There are people that would say, "Hey, you can make more money. It's more fame. It's your team." And he'd already. The. the I think the argument, Michael, would be he. At some point, he'd leave because he'd already have the rings. He wouldn't need that. He want to go out on his own. Well, you could ask any player, young player playing the league today, who's maybe the face of their franchise. Would they like to change places with Clay? Uh, they are the face of their franchise. They're watching the finals. Probably be watching the finals for years to come, averaging a lot of points but they won't feel this excitement and this opportunity to win rings. I bet you they nine out of ten of them will change places with Clay. So anybody who has that argument, they don't understand winners like Kevin McHale, winners like James Worthy, winners like Scottie Pippen or Joe Dumars, guys who won multiple rings but didn't have to be the so-called face of the franchise. Playing, like, players like Clay are going to make enough money to last ten lifetimes. The only thing that when you get to this level, the only thing that matters is winning, winning, winning. And the people who question that – Sometimes I question, I question their values in life. It's, it's, a, it's a great point. Michael Thompson joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Um, there are people, and, and look, I, I played something that uh, Steve Kerr said earlier today, which, which I do generally agree with, which is, like, for some reason in sports, we have this idea of reverse evolution. Like, all former players think they're better than the current players when everything else in the world is better now than it than it used to be, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Air conditioners are better now. Computers are better now. Cars are better now. Uh, you know, humans should be, as athletes, should have evolved well, more our training. Well, Go ahead. Every, every, well, everything except sitcoms, because nothing's ever come close to the Andy Griffith Show or All in the Family or the Jeffersons. This stuff, stuff they got today, eh, can't measure to that stuff. I would say Seinfeld, Cheers, granted, not not recently. Uh, I'm not a no. Mike and Molly guy, but there are Mike and Molly guys around. There. Uh, so, so with that is okay, with, with those as the exception, my yeah. point was that that the salary cap has changed the depth of talent. Your, your best, you won two NBA championships, right? One with uh, the Portland Trailblazers and one with the LA Lakers, right? No, no, I won, I won two with the Lakers. Okay, two with the Lakers. Which was the best team from, from uh, you were actually on the team, which was the best team? 
I think the 87 Lakers were considered the greatest team in history by many people until Michael Jordan's Bulls came along. And, you know, and some other teams were in the discussion, too. But that 87 Lakers team is pretty special. Okay, so, like, look, for people who, who didn't live through the 1987 Lakers, I mean, this is one of the – you had Magic in his prime 27 years old. You had James Worthy, Byron Scott. Kareem still was still averaging – uh, 18 a game, 17 and a half a game. You had A.C. Green, Michael Cooper, Michael Thompson. Like, that was your top seven. And, like, look, I agree with Steve Kerr that where these guys are shooting from, you guys didn't shoot from, that the game has evolved. But to have a number one overall pick like yourself at 32 years old and to have Michael Cooper, uh, the best defensive player in the NBA, coming off the bench for that team, that's like seven guys as opposed to this is kind of a three-man scoring team and then the rest is just a perfect fits around him. How would you compare the, the depth of talent now with the depth of talent then? Oh, it's way better now. Uh, we, like you said, we have seven, eight guys uh, the Warriors can go 10-11 deep. Um, they, they may not score a lot of points, but these guys know how to play. They're very versatile uh, players that the, the Warriors have on their roster, a very versatile roster. They can beat you inside and outside. No, we don't have a Kareem. They don't have a Kareem posting up in the middle. But, hey, Kevin Durant can post up. Uh, Clay can score in the post. Um, Draymond can get points in the, in, the, uh, in the lane. So they don't have the classic post-up uh, player, but they know how to do it. And uh, we – we didn't shoot. We couldn't shoot. My Laker teams couldn't shoot like the way the Warriors can. So, to me, this Warriors team would beat us. Really? You're, yeah. you're actually the first former player to ever say that. I like. I yeah. look and I'm like, JaVel McGee versus Michael Thompson. Like that's a wrap. That's Michael Thompson. Yeah, but I can't. Uh, I couldn't go up there and get those law passes to JaVel. I can't get my elevator. Didn't go that high. Let's figure. Elevator did not did not go that high. Um, yeah. Uh, the good or bad for the NBA that there's this level of dominance. Like when you guys, 86, 87, uh, there was, you know, there was, there was, there was several teams kind of towards the top. You had obviously you and the, you and the Celtics, everybody thought would meet in the finals. Sixers were still kind of around. Uh, the Pistons were starting to load up because the next two years they would win back-to-back titles, right? Um, so you had in the East, you had, and then you had Jordan kind of lurking in the East, starting to kind of slowly rise. And in the West, there was what you guys, Houston, a couple of other teams. The the Jazz are starting to kind of put things together as well. Um, do you think what we have now, where there were two teams completely and thoroughly dominant in the playoffs and one dominant throughout the playoffs, good for the current NBA? See, Doug, it's people like you that drive me crazy. And I only say that jokingly, of course. But uh, uh, I'm just kidding around with you. But here's the thing. But it still drives me crazy. First of all, two things, Doug. First, we got to wait for this Warrior team to win a championship. They haven't done it yet. Three, win, three wins, eight the championship. You got to win the fourth, right? The fourth game, and that hasn't happened yet. And after what happened last year, I ain't counting on nothing, or depending on nothing, or assuming anything right now. So let's let this team win a championship first, okay? Let's say that happens. That just propels them to a chance to be a dominant team because they've got to win full championships, and none of that is guaranteed in the future. But they still have to go out there and do it. And then the other thing is, when Michael Jordan was dominating the NBA, did anybody ever ask if that was bad for the NBA? No, we reveled in it. We, we admired it. We respected it and were fascinated by it. So I don't understand why all of a sudden, if the Warriors are capable of running off a five or six uh, championship-type run like the Bulls did, why all of a sudden that's bad that everybody just uh, applauded the Michael Jordan era. So why can't they do the same and appreciate what the Warriors are capable of doing in the future? I, look, I appreciate it. I just want somebody to be able to be competitive with them, right? Like well, the West was not there. If they win tonight, they'll play 16 playoff games, 16. Like right. that, 
I mean, like that level of throw down. It's not that I don't respect it. It's like you got to give me. I got to feel like the the reason sports is different than the theater is we know how the theater is going to end, right? We know the script is already written. We don't have that in sports, but the script seems already written for this. Yeah, but nobody complained about. You got to remember, Shaq and Kobe only played 16 games. They won. I think they went 15 and one and beat Philadelphia and won that that season. Nobody complained about Shaq and Kobe dominating the the league for four or five years when they did. So. People today are just so, uh, I don't know, this, they can't make up their mind what they want. First, it's great when Shaq and Kobe are doing it, great when Jordan's doing it. Now, all of a sudden, if the Warriors are capable of doing it, now it's a bad thing for the league. Are you kidding me? This brings more eyeballs to the, to the TVs when, they, when you have a dominant, possible dominant team like the Warriors. The best player in the NBA is? Still LeBron. I mean, I still have enough respect and admiration for his game and knowledge about his game. He's still the man, and he won't be that for much longer because he's 32 and over the next couple of years, someone for the emerge as a, a best player. And, that's, that's, and obviously, that's not a guy. The number one contender is Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard. Those guys are right there nipping at his heels. But LeBron is still the man in this league. What about Kevin Durant? What has ha, has this has this only exposed exactly how good he is and put it on display, or do you think this is this has changed how good he is because he's played this well? Yeah, this hasn't changed anything, Doug. This man's always been this good. It's just now he's doing it on the biggest stage in basketball in the NBA Finals, and everybody's getting to see it on the biggest stage. And when you perform this way under the brightest spotlight, that just enhances and uh, just magnifies your, your your talent even more. And people are just getting to understand it and appreciate it because it's, he's doing it in the NBA Finals against the best player in the world. So that's why everybody all of a sudden paying attention to how great he is. But he's always been this way. For the last five years, this has been Kevin Durant. Uh, more joy from winning your own championships or watching your son win one of his and possibly a second tonight? Any parent listening to me right now can understand that uh, when you see your child become successful in their job, whatever they do for their career, when you know that they're successful on top of their job, you are a million times happier for them than for your own success. So it doesn't even compare. I was fortunate enough to win two titles in the NBA the way I feel about my championships, and believe me, I'm thrilled and happy and appreciative that I was able to do it, Doug, it would be like comparing a lit match to the sun. That's the difference in my championships as opposed to watching Clay have a chance to win multiple. And then, of course, you know, Michael also got made the NBA he, for, for, for a period of time. Then Trace played, as, you know, started in center field for the Dodgers. Like, man, that's, that's not an incredible family. Uh, your brood has been remarkable in the sports landscape. Michael, listen, enjoy tonight's game. It may be the last basketball game we see until the Lakers tip it off next year and we'll hear your calls. Thanks so much for being a part of the Doug Gottlieb Show. Thank you, Doug. Always great talking to you. And I, you're right. I hope that uh, there's no game scheduled for Monday. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Michael Thompson. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting place we're in. That's the, it, by the way, I think the first player I can remember saying, like, yeah, they'd kick our ass. We, we can't shoot. They would be much better than us. I don't actually, like, I, I also think, though, that, that there's a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a little bit like, like if you if you somehow took the Lakers of that era and you put them in this era, would they struggle with their shooting? Yeah, but it's kind of like if you take a kid who's really really smart and you put him in Mexico and you do submersion technique. Like eventually he'd figure out how to because he's smart, right? Because they were so talented, eventually they would figure it out. You'd think. Maybe I don't know. All right, quickly let's find out what's trending. 
Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So you guys realize that eventually weed's going to be legal in like every state, right? And it's not because, and look, our, our view on marijuana has changed. Like if you go back and you look like in the 50s and 60s when they call it reefers, you're like, you know, like, and you compare it. I mean, look, I'm not a, I'm not a weed guy. You're not going to go through my car and the dog's not going to, the, the weed dog's not going to go crazy barking or anything. But uh, I'm also not going to sit here and be so presumptuous that I don't understand how kind of the world has changed its view. Um, I remember being in college and uh, one of my teammates who's actually uh, super, super, way smarter than me, way more successful than me in the sport, out of the sport, and is still in the sport now. I'll, I'll keep his name out of it. He was explaining to me, he's like, dude, like, do you understand THC is not nearly as dangerous a drug as, and he started listing like even tobacco in terms of how addictive it is. And he was like a, a biochem major. And so I was like, really? Like, yeah, it's just. It's kind of explaining how the government works. And like again, I was 18 years old. And I was like, wow, my mind is blown right now. Uh, would you pass that? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. But the, but the, point, <laughs> no, the, the point is that because Colorado, I, I think it was, what was the first year? It was like $44 million in tax revenue from, from legal sales of marijuana. Like Our virtues, have we become more reasonable about drugs? Uh, somewhat. Like we, we, we talked about this on this show. Like, dude, uh, but what I've been told about Tiger Woods is he took an ambi, he, he mixed Ambien with, uh, you know, like Oxy or Vike, something like that for pain, and he was sleep driving, and that's that's what happens. Like those over-the-counter prescription medications can be way more dangerous than smoking a joint, right? Like we all nodding our heads, we understand that we're we're caught in this kind of weird. Do we like for years we've been told one is illegal and the other one is legal if you have a script and then there are states that you could have a script for weed but it just it's a very weird time to be alive. But the point is that it's going to be legal and it's not going to be legal because all of a sudden we're like we screwed up for 40 years. It's going to be legal because we can make money on it. Now, why do you see casinos popping up all over the places? Because the tax revenue that's generated from it, right? I mean, the only thing, like in in sports radio, I think the only thing that we won't sell for ads. I remember when I was in local radio, they're like, well, the only thing we won't sell, or we, we who we won't sell to our our uh, inventory, our ad time inventory, is like uh, men's, you know, like strip strip clubs. We just like we just won't do it. Anything else, like we'll do. We'll we don't even care. I mean. Think about how many times you've listened to sports radio and you've heard tout services on for gambling lines. Knowing that gambling, sports gambling, is illegal outside of Las Vegas. And, of course, you know, when you can do overseas online or whatever. And yet we've done it. Why? Because we make money doing it. So governments are going to legalize uh, marijuana or they've already decriminalized marijuana. They're going to legalize marijuana. And they're going to do so for one reason and one reason only. It's the bottom line. They Things cost more, but also, like, at some point, they're going to have to get their budgets in shape, and this allows them to not get their budgets in shape. Like, would you rather cut out school lunches or legalize marijuana? Like, this is an easy call for me if I'm a mayor or if I'm a governor. And the same is going to happen with sports gambling, which is what I think is really interesting about George Atala, who is the NFLPA executive who told the MMQB on Thursday, um, yes, the sports unions have been discussing the issue, gambling, 
in particular around the integrity of our respective games. We're collaborating on it. We might be open to changes coming because of legalized sports gambling. But before we go into the revenue aspect of it, do we have the infrastructure in place to to prevent any sort of shenanigans? That's the issue. Like, this is comical. NFLPA and the NBAPA are like, hey, we should look into whether or not we can, they can handle legalized sports gambling without shenanigans. Like, um, they've been doing sports gambling for a long time. There's been no shenanigans. Like, one of the things about Vegas is it's highly regulated. The only reason the NFL and the NBAPAs are discussing this is they're like, wait, well, hold on. Um, states are going to legalize gambling. Everybody's going to make money off of gambling on our sports. How can we make money off of gambling on our sports? <laughs> that, that's the problem. We're like, oh, wait, you created new revenue? Cool. We want some. I guarantee that's what's next. Like this story from Georgia Tall, like we really researched here whether or not we can get these sports gambling. They're not saying they're going to let players gamble. They're trying to figure out whether or not if sports gambling becomes legal nationwide or in certain states, the truth is they want to, how can we make money on it? Yes, Ryan Music. So part of the allure around Las Vegas is the fact that it's one of those centralized places where you can get gambling and sports gambling. Do you think if other states start legalizing sports gambling, that could have an impact on Las Vegas in a negative way? Um, wait, wait, one more time. That, that if you legalize sports gambling, will it have a negative impact on Vegas? Yeah, because that's sort of like the hub yeah. for sports gambling, right? Because that's like yeah, but the it, only sports place. gambling is a, is just a small portion of what they make money on. It really is. Um, I I think like that would if if that was if that was reasonable, then all of these other pop up Indian casinos would be having a huge effect on Las Vegas. Like Las Vegas got smart a long time ago as they began to diversify themselves and build these you know, ridiculous resorts. Now they're getting professional sports. Like they want it to be a destination, you know, not just somewhere like you can go down to the Indian casino on a Friday night and, you know, play a little uh, pie gal if you want. Right. But the only place when you can get everything is Las Vegas. Do I think it will hurt their bottom line? Maybe. I still think they're going to set the lines you know, they still have the deepest they still have the deepest bankroll. They're going to be bankrolling a lot. And a lot of them will be, you know, if you have casinos nationwide, they'll be bankrolled by casinos in Las Vegas. And do you think that the more this becomes involved with the NFL and teams want a portion of the money, are they going to defer that by just saying like, okay, you have to pay, pay each team a portion of the winnings or the house money? Or do you think teams are going to try and privatize it and sort of create their own book? Oh, they're not creating their own book. No way. You need not create your own book. That that they won't do. Um, but what if they allow like on-site gambling? How do you like? How do you manage that type of money they, or they, set they, the they, lines? Th- to me, that's like for baseball. I just I, I feel like that's the for for baseball. That's that's where baseball can win. Like, why is the NFL bigger than anything else? 
Like it's it's not because we love oh, we love football. No, we don't. We love gambling. Football is perfect, perfect to gamble on, perfect to watch. Like now, football on Thursday nights, like wow, oh, that throws my whole week off, right? But basically, Saturday, Sunday, I can bet on football. Like I can bet a parlay and win the first three, and then wait till Saturday night football, and I'm always going to lose the fourth one, right? I just that's the way it always works. And then I can do the same thing on Sunday, and then I can have the other type of gambling, which is uh, fantasy football, which is really gambling. We just Call it a different name, even though it's really gambling. Um, and that makes us watch all the games. Like, football's perfect for gambling. Well, baseball could be perfect. It's hard. And baseball, of course, started fantasy sports, right? But, like, if you can you imagine going to a game and they give you an iPad and you can bet on, like, Albert Pujols comes up. What's he going to do? You can, you can bet on what he's going to do. Like, that would be cool. But obviously, they would have to build in, like, you can't be shouting out to Albert, like, hey, Albert, I got a million that you're going to strike out, right? So I'll split it with you if you strike it. Like, that could be hard. But will they allow legalized legalize gambling within sports stadiums? I'm sure that time is coming. Um, if it already hasn't come anyway, because you can really kind of bet internationally uh, with different apps anyway. I just think basically what this is about is they're trying to figure out how we can make money. How we can make money when everybody else is going to make money. Is Christian Hackenberg a bona fide starter in New York? Real news or fake news? Find out next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I heard Whitlock and uh, Clay Travis together on Fox Sports Radio coming in. That's like Compton and Long Beach. I didn't know. I don't know if we're ready for all that. We'll we'll play some of that as far as what did the Fox say. Uh, Every day at this time, though, we like to reach into my sack of goodies and find something to play with. Let's reach into Godlieb's sack. (laughs) All right, my man Dan Byer, what do you got for me, Dan? Uh, Let's see, Doug, for this Friday, we've got a case of real news. Fake news. All right. How about that? Let's see if you can go uh, five for five today, Doug. Okay. okay, let's go. Real news or fake news? The Cleveland Cavaliers aren't happy with how Steph Curry celebrated in the Warriors game three victory on Wednesday night. Mm, fake news. They're real oh. and they're spectacular. Yes. Apparently, Steph Curry doing his uh, little uh, dance in a, a squatting motion after Kevin Durant's three that gave him the lead yep. late yep. made the Cavaliers highly agitated following that game three victory. How dare you be excited for a teammate to make a game winning three in the face of LeBron James? How dare you? This is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> this is dumb. Because that's the, that's not the bat. It's, this is not a bat flip, right? This is not. This isn't uh, Jose Bautista with the bat flip heard around the world, right? Uh, this is simply pure elation. Right? I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Again, this is one of those. I, I would agree with Michael Thompson. If you can't, this is my. If you can't feel good about somebody else's success on your team, then there's something wrong with you. Right? I learned that a hard lesson when I when I was at Oklahoma State. I, my junior year, I got benched. I got thrown out of a game against UCLA, and so I got benched. So I was coming out the bench. I played, like, the year I led the country in assists my junior year, I actually averaged fewer minutes than at any other point in time in my career. And so one time we're playing Southeast Missouri State, and we were struggling to put them away, by my estimation, because I wasn't playing very much. 
So at the end of a game, we hit a three. It was kind of like the dagger three, put us up like 11. Adrian Peterson, our best player, hit the three. And I didn't get up and celebrate. Next day in film session, all we watched was that play. And the coaches stopped the tape and said, like, What's wrong with this tape? It was like, I don't know. And then he took the laser pointer. I go, look at this guy. The one guy not standing up cheering for his teammate is that guy. And I was like, oh, my God. Every eye was on me. I wanted to crawl out of my skin. (laughs) Anyway, I learned a good lesson there. Like, feel good for one of your teammates. So, you know what the Cavs, you know what you should do? You should pass the ball more instead of going ISO and going curly kneel routine at the end of games. And maybe you could win and celebrate. Steph even denied it himself, saying there was no Randy Moss stuff. Some people thought he was trying to be, uh, you know, maybe maybe a bathroom motion. But uh, Steph says, no, that's not the case. All right, real news or fake news? In addition to three-on-three basketball and BMX biking, the International Olympic Committee also added poker and blackjack to their 2020 summer program in Tokyo. Wait, wait, what? Poker blackjack? Yeah, is that is real news or sport? fake? Is that real news or fake news? That's fake news. You are fake news. Yes, that is fake news. I did uh, make that up. But <laughs> three on three, <laughs> Phil Helmuth, the gold medal winner. Um, no, but three on three basketball is going to be an event. BMX no way. freestyle, it's a real event. Yes, and and there's also going to be some mixed gender events. So you'll have guys and girls competing on the same team in track and field and swimming. So okay, uh, that makes no. Well, whatever. I, I get they got to compete in the same legs at the same events. I don't uh, know. What about the? Uh, what's the? What's the chick who has the the, the high testosterone? We don't know about the parts. Yeah, the, she's from South Africa. Yeah, is that, yeah. Does this she, is that. She, doesn't, which, which which team is she no, on? I'm it, sorry. It, it, I had you to know ask. what? You know what? It wouldn't matter because yeah. you could have guys or girls competing <laughs> in these. So it's a. Yeah. I guess. I guess it's a, a mix. Uh, real news or fake news, Jets quarterback Christian Hackenberg is throwing the ball so bad he's actually hitting reporters during OTAs. Ah, uh, that's the real news. They're real oh. and they're spectacular. A report from NJ.com says Hackenberg is constantly getting picked off in practice and so far in three OTAs that have been open to the media, twice he's hit a reporter. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's got some he's got some flaws in his delivery. Uh, on the other hand, it is New York reporters. If my, my man Manish Mehta who breaks all those stories, if he's one of them, that could be scary. Uh, final one. Uh, how about this from the NFL? Real news or fake news? Despite returning two punts for scores and having another score on a kickoff return, Chiefs are going to limit Tyree Kill's special teams duties next season. Wait, Chief, the, Chiefs what? They're going to limit his duties on special teams for Tyree Kill. Is that real news or fake news? Fake they're real oh. and they're spectacular. I'm surprised, Doug, because you even said when uh, Jeremy Macklin was released that you could see Tyree Kill being in that number one role. They're likely going to take him off kickoffs, not on punts, but limited special teams for Tyree Kill in Kansas City. Now he's the number one receiver. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. That was Gottlieb sack. That makes no sense to me. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, guys, the best kick returner in the league. Let's make him return kicks less. Uh Chris Holtman is the new head coach at Ohio State. What it really means for basketball. Next. A Gottlieb show rolls on Fox Sports Radio. Getting you ready for what could be the last day of the basketball season. All right, more on that to come. As we get you ready for game four of the NBA Finals. I'm still watching. I'm like still fired up, but I watched game. I went went back and watched game three earlier tonight. You know what? Earlier today it was on NBA TV. It's the third time I've watched the game, um, and it was something that was interesting. Music. Did you ever get those stats that I asked you to look for? Because I was I was looking in the play by play because I think I had it right. 
Um, I asked you, Ryan, music producer of this show, I asked him on the way here, I was like, was, was I right? Did, didn't LeBron James make 10 of his first 11 shots? Uh, what I had saw was he went. What I had, eight, what I had seen. Eight, what I had seen. <laughs> Sorry about that. Either way, you want to say it. Uh, no. What, what I, I had saw. What I had not, seen. That's not like. Was eight you know, like, for here's ten. The thing about, here's the thing about English. Like, English is a lot like when you're a basketball player when you travel. Right. Okay. Sometimes you can walk and not know you walked. Like, oh, my bad. Did I walk? I didn't even know. But when it's like a blatant travel, you're like, oh, yeah, I totally took like three extra steps there. Right. The English language is much like that. Right. There are times which you're like, oh, was that? Oh, I didn't even know that's not how you pronounce that word. Right. But when you said what when I had saw, <laughs> like that was like that was that was like you ran down the court without dribbling. You're like, oh, yeah, you got me there. Did, did I pull the, the Westbrook where he just started that was, that's up like the the Westbrook. Uh, yeah, the Westbrook. Right. That's exactly what it I thought. I thought you said I thought I said no. Yes. Um, I, you were listening to nonstop, nonstop, nonstop music. Yeah. I found eight for ten to start the game. That's as far as I got. And then we had some other things to deal with before the show. Um, you, no, it was he. He made ten of his first eleven shots. Right. Okay. Well, then I must have miscounted. Okay. So. He missed ten of his first. He made ten of his first eleven. Either shots. way, he, he started very, very efficiently. He he was uh, he was uh, he was smoking, smoking. Um. Anyway, so the point is, he finishes off fifteen of twenty-seven. All right, music. Since since English is not your thing. Okay. Let's see if math is your thing. If you make 10 of your first 11 shots and you end up 15 for 27. Uh, nope. I, no, no idea. Can't even do it. <laughs> You're not even going to try? All right. Here we go. 15 of 27. You started 10 of 11. Like this is not, this isn't, alg- this is very, very simple. Uh, you can either do division or maybe even subtraction. Five right? of 16. That's what he finished. Like it's it's amazing to me on how we can sit there and go like, well, LeBron James was he was great for the first uh, what was it? He had twenty one points in the first twelve minutes of action. Think about that, twenty one in the first twelve minutes of action. He ended up five of what'd you say? What'd you say? Music? Five of sixteen. Five of sixteen. Five of sixteen. So, um, first of all, I'll just start. I'm telling you, I'm taking the Warriors, and I'm taking them because of the fatigue that has quite obviously set in. They, they, in, in like the Cubs, uh, and frankly, this is kind of like the Warriors had this problem last year when Steph Curry would go out. Like, you can't take him out, but then he gets worn down late in the fourth quarter. Like, that's where LeBron is, where he gets worn down. And Kevin Love really, really struggled. But I would say that I'm not sure they shouldn't have posted up Kevin Love late when the ball stopped moving. Um, But, yeah, LeBron James, we think of him as being dominant throughout the game. First 12 minutes of the game, he was unbelievable. And then he started to fade, started to fatigue. And what I said yesterday, I still think holds true. Like, I don't – I'm not anti-LeBron. I just – I can't – handle LeBron in any different way than how I would handle any other superstar. And we evaluate you based upon what you do the last three minutes of a game, what you do when you're guarded by the other team's best player, what you do in very, very important possessions. And 
you know, do you want to win the game or do you want to allow your teammates to win the game? Anyway, that's my eval. Um, something interesting, interested, interesting happened earlier today. Chris Holtman is the new head coach of the Ohio State University. Now, Holtman's had this meteoric rise. I don't know if you guys know, like, he was the head coach of Gardner-Webb, which is, in fact, a Division I school. Like, it's a hyphenated Gardner-Webb. Gardner-Webb, he's the head coach of Gardner-Webb for three years. Then he leaves Gardner-Webb, leaves a head coaching position to be an assistant at Butler under Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller uh, leaves the team. He takes over as an interim head coach and for the last three years has been the full-time head coach at Butler and has taken the team from their first year in the Big East, they finished last in the Big East, to the only team to beat Villanova twice this season. He's done an amazing job. I think he's an outstanding coach. I think it's a good hire. But what's fascinating about it to me is that um, it's just – I have a buddy who plays uh, Matt Holiday, who's uh, we, we got to try and get him on the show next week. Music um, Holiday and I have been friends for a long time, and he's been really blessed to play now for two elite organizations in St. Louis uh, for I think what seven years, and then now he's playing with the Yankees. And when he signed with the Yankees, like he was excited, but part of it was like at the time it was kind of a whirlwind. He he just assumed there's a couple of teams he thought for sure were going to offer him multi-year deals, and then the kind of Yankees came in and they gave him 24 hours. And he was like, mm, "It's the Yankees. I like the role they have for me. I like the money, but I wish it was a couple more years." The Red Sox hadn't yet offered him like he would fill in for Big Poppy. You know, sees that short short porch in left field, right-hand hitter. How many double he could lead the league in doubles? You know, like you, you just you want more players in it. And so he wasn't bummed out when he signed with the Yankees. He was excited, but nobody knew if the Yankees were going to be any good because they'd had Gary Sanchez blew up at the end of last year, but nobody knew if they had pitching. Nobody knew if the young guys could, you know, if Aaron, nobody knew Aaron Judge would be this good this soon. And so I talked to him about a week ago, and I've talked to him several times um, during the season. He was just like, first, like, it's just different with the Yankees, right? Like, the organization is unbelievably well run. It's so classy. And you can kind of, like, whatever you need, you just get. And now that you're winning, it, it's it's a joke. Like, it's it's a joke. Like, we're the Yankees. We come to town. It's just different. And I, I, I use that parallel to college sports because people get really mad when you say the word mid-major. Mid-major. Oh, don't call me a mid-major. And, and Butler, in terms of what they've been able to, like, they've been an incredible program for 20 years now. Barry Collier's their AD. He first led them to prominence. Uh, then he turned it over, and they had from Todd Licklider and um, obviously Brad Stevens. I mean, heck, Ohio State's coach, Thad Mata, who just was fired, was a former head coach at Butler who then went to Xavier. Both kind of became stepping stone programs. And they've elevated themselves now where they're in the new Big East. But every time we get to college basketball season, I'll point out, like, well, the Big East is made out of these. They're not high major, but they're not mid-major. They're kind of somewhere in between. Oh, look at how we – and the idea is, well, based upon our results, Villanova winning national championship last year, we should not be considered a mid-major league or anything below a, a high major league. And Xavier nearly made it to the Final Four this year with massive injuries. 
the difference is pretty simple. He left Butler to go to Ohio State because of the resources at your disposal at Ohio State. That's it. And that's where the it comes from. High major is simply based upon the financial model of it. Your recruiting budget, your assistant pool, your head coaching budget. He's going to make $25 million over the next eight years. You know, Butler's a private school, so terms weren't necessarily disclosed. But I think at most he's making, you know, million and a half, two million to live in Indy, which is which is great. I mean, great money. But over if it's over an eight year, which you didn't have an eight year, but if it's over a eight year contract, like again, you're talking about nine million dollars in shortfall if it's that much money. So you can get mad when people say you're program is a mid-major, it doesn't have any effect on whether or not you can win in the NCAA tournament. But when a guy leaves Butler, a program that has been as successful as any in college basketball for Ohio State, who has great history, it's, it's unbelievable. My dad's an alum, was an alum. There's, you know, obviously, uh, you go back a decade ago or so, uh, Mike Conley and Greg Oden led him to a national championship game. They haven't been as good as Butler uh, over the last 20 years in terms of finishes in the NCAA tournament. Also, Butler gets a little bit more credit than they should. Than when Ohio State gets Sweet 16, it's more expected. Butler gets there, it's more, oh, look at Cinderella, even though they're not necessarily Cinderella anymore. The point is, you still aren't necessarily considered that high major or super high major, and it's more a budget commentary than it is a commentary about the quality of your team. Does that make sense? I don't think, I think it makes sense. I hope it makes sense. Uh, we got a ton to get to this hour. Um, you know what we'll do? We'll allow you allow you to uh, express yourself later on this hour. 877-996-6369. Um, since coming to Fox, actually, this was this was before I came to Fox, or I, I knew I was coming to Fox, but it hadn't been announced. I was at the Super Bowl, and I got to I was hanging out with Jeff Gordon, and really kind of amazing to. Uh, we were at a party, and then somebody said, like, hey, do you guys, we want to go to the chain smokers party, and my friend was running this event, and so we had these, we weren't, like, all the, everybody in stowage was down at the bottom, and there it was like a rave, if you ever been, to, it was like a rave, we're, like, up on the second deck, like, perfect sight line to see the chain smokers, which they're really just DJs, not really performing, although they get up on top of the DJ set and hype the crowd or whatever. Anyway, but to hang out with Jeff, it was, it was great. Um, Jeff Gordon's got the Pocono 400. I got a ton of things to ask him. A little bit about NASCAR, a little bit about Corvettes, and uh, a little bit about walking away from something you can still do. That's upcoming next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over $3,000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Let's check in with uh, Fox Sports NASCAR analyst and one of the greats of all time to be a gear shifter, Jeff Gordon, will be part of the call of the Exalta Pocono 400 this Sunday, June 11th. FS1's coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And, uh, Jeff, it's great to catch up with you, man. We haven't uh, we haven't talked in person, uh, I think, since the ch- we saw the Chainsmokers at the Super Bowl. So I just I wanted to ask you, Dale Earnhardt Jr. retired. What was your immediate reaction when you heard that news? 
first, Doug, uh, thanks for having me on the show. I, I, I was hoping we were going to talk about the chain smokers first before we got into Dell Jr. That was, that was a fun night. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, Jr.'s into the 40s. He's, he's been doing this a long time, and, and he's been extremely popular and, and successful. And uh, you knew that they, that day was coming, but, uh, yeah, I thought that it would be maybe two or three years down the road. He has taken some – you know, pretty nasty hits uh, over the years, and um, he's married now. Got married uh, over the off season or, or coming into this year, and so those things can can change the way you view the world and, and your sport, especially a dangerous sport. So I can't say I was totally surprised, but certainly that's a a, a big part of the topic that we have every week and now that we're covering these races on Fox. And it's, it's different though, than, you know, when his dad was racing or, you know, in the previous generation, you know, men like you, once you have a family and once you have people, you guys make so much money that you, you can walk away. You don't like, you don't need it to, 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 to pay the bills on a monthly basis, right? Like it's, it's one of the things that this sport has provided you is that you can, you can walk away Whereas you would, if you go back 20 years ago, that probably wasn't financially the case for so many of these guys. Is that, is that fair? It's fair when you're talking about somebody like Dale Earnhardt Jr., you know, the top names in the sport. Not, not every driver has that luxury or has you know, been able to put themselves in that position. But certainly Dale Earnhardt Jr., um, you know, he, he's, he's made a tremendous amount of money in the sport um, from winning big races like the Daytona 500, but also his popularity uh, throughout the sport, so from sponsors as well as licensed merchandising, things like that. And it's allowed him to have that, be in that position, to be able to make that kind of decision. Uh, NASCAR drivers, you know, when, when there's somebody like Dale Earnhardt Jr. or Jimmy Johnson or myself, Tony Stewart, you can have a long, prosperous career if you can stay healthy. And, and I think in this case, Jr. knows he has more years left in him if he wanted to drive from a financial standpoint, but because of some of the health scares he's had with the, the head injuries and, and the concussions, I think, you know, he's looking at the world uh, and saying, okay, you know, what do I want to do next in my life? Which is, you know, had a lot to do with uh, a decision that I had to make. It wasn't from a, a head injury, maybe more from a back injury, but to say, all right, I'm in a position where I can look at the next stage of my life and start planning for that because I've been successful. And I think he has something similar to be able to, to fall back on. Um, speaking of which, when, like, I've always thought it's dangerous and dangerous. It's a, it's not the word dangerous in terms of life threatening, but dangerous when a guy walks away from a sport and could still perform in that sport and then calls the sport in person. Like if you're in a studio, you don't feel it when you're in the booth and you hear the roar of the cars, and of course, um, you know when you when you're around the sport as much as you're still integrating the sport. And I know you're still spending time with your family during the week. I, I just wonder how much you miss it. Like when college football coaches retire and then they're in the booth for a game, they feel the vibe of the energy. They wish they were in the locker room. Where they're in the studio, they don't miss it nearly as much. Do you find yourself missing it, seeing as you're calling races like the Pocono 400 on FS1? Yeah, I love the live broadcast and being at the racetrack. I I think it's been a great way to transition for me in in a sense where there is an adrenaline rush that comes along with driving a race car, but there's also an adrenaline rush that comes with being at the track and feeling the thunder uh, of the cars as they take the green flag and the excitement of the race and the action and being able to be a part of that broadcasting and, and calling it. Uh, from the competition side, you know, I still have a relationship uh, with Hendrick Motorsports, so you know, I, I when I finish with Fox, 
which we have a few more races left to go, then then I'll transition into the business side of the race team and the, that competition side. So I feel like I've got a great balance, and I'm sure that Junior, when he steps away after this season, you know, he'll be able to, to find that great balance also. Because, yeah, you can't just step away from being a part of, of, of the competition that in that form it completely cut it off. You, you are going to miss it. And I, I haven't. I, I got a chance to run the 24-hour race at Daytona earlier this year, be a part of that race, which was fun to get behind the wheel again. Uh, but when I'm in the booth, you know, I, I'm so focused on the race that I'm enjoying it uh, more than I ever thought and, and really not missing being behind the wheel. You So now you join, you got Tony Stewart and uh, Junior's also obviously retiring. Like, I know Jimmy is still... And and thankfully he this is just a little cancer scare with uh, with the the skin cancer that he had removed. But um, like he look he's still holding the mantle as you know one of these all time greats that is not currently chosen to retire. But with with such a great group of such notable drivers during what can only be considered like the golden era. Like NASCAR expanded on your back. NASCAR expanded on Junior and and, and Smokes back. With you guys walking away, is there? Is there any sense of the the health of racing might not be as strong because there's not the name brands atop, uh, you know, atop the leaderboard like there used to be? Well, I think the same thing could probably be said throughout the history of NASCAR. It's you know, been around over 50 years. And when you look at what Richard Petty and David Pearson and Cale Yarbrough and Darrell Waltrip, all, all, all the greats, you know, that, that brought the sport to the next level, then Dale Earnhardt and Rusty Wolf. I mean, the, the, the names go on and on. I was fortunate to be a part of it at, at a time when it was really taking off and growing, Dell Jr. Uh, and then Jimmy Johnson sort of took over that reign. But we have so many young uh, drivers, new faces coming into sports. So while a lot of greats are stepping away, it's creating some amazing opportunities for young guys like Chase Elliott, like Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney's now making a name for himself. Uh, this this weekend, uh, you know, we, we have... Uh, Daryl Wallace Jr. making his debut. You know, the, the first time we've had an African American driver behind the wheel in the Cup level since 2006. Well, you know, th- there's a lot of positives and, and a lot of things that I think are going to help keep the sport healthy for many years to come. Um, well, your foundation's given away a Corvette, and the, by the way, the Corvette has like these uh, like almost uh, Carolina Panther teal blue accents to it. Is that the actual Corvette that you guys were giving away? It is. If you go to Jeff Gordon uh, Children's Foundation.org, you can you can see all the details. So we've been posting a lot of stuff on social media. Also, there's no real tie to Carolina Panthers, even though we are located in North Carolina. Uh, it's just a, a, an awesome 2017 uh, Grand Sport uh, convertible Corvette that uh, we're very proud to to offer up. And this Corvette program has been an amazing. Uh, program to help support pediatric cancer through our foundation. Been very successful. We offer $100 tickets uh, for people to have the opportunity to to win that Corvette. We've also been giving away $5,000 uh, prizes. Yeah, we've given two of those away. So yeah, we certainly encourage people if you want to, you know, help our uh, a great cause in pediatric cancer research uh, and treatment. Uh, please, uh, you know, you go to Jeff Gordon Children's Foundation dot org and and purchase one of those tickets. Get an opportunity to win that beautiful Corvette. Fastest you've ever been caught speeding? Um, uh, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but uh, as far as getting an actual ticket, I would say it was about eighty-seven and a fifty-five when I was like twenty, twenty-one years old, and 
was not one of my finer moments. Yeah, but so now, if like I, I take from your voice, that means you've been pulled over going faster. Yet you, they walked up to the door and go like, "Oh my God, that's Jeff Gordon. I can't give you a ticket." Is that fair? I don't think I've ever been pulled over going faster. I've been pulled over <laughs> and 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 have have been given a break a time or two. Um, there's there's discussion about. Um, about Danica and whether or not she can build off her top 10 finish at Dover. What's your sense of where she is in her race career? I love what she brings. You know, I, I think sometimes we, we look past uh, what she's really accomplished. Um, she's an incredible race car driver. She's you know great with the media and, and you know her presence and her fan base. And she's brought a lot to all forms of motorsports, IndyCar before NASCAR. And NASCAR certainly, uh, she, she's helped take us another level and reach out to new fans um you know i, I think that that we haven't seen the results that that probably she would like to see and a lot of us would hope for uh so if you, get the top 10, you hope that she can build on that that momentum and uh and, and you'll keep that going she gets she you can tell she's very very competitive because she really gets down when she doesn't get the results that she'd like to get and there's a lot of pressure on her but uh she's a tremendous race car driver and uh, look forward to seeing how she does this weekend at the Exalta 400 on uh, FS1. Uh, last thing about the Exalta 400, which is, of course, in the Poconos. Tell me one thing about that racetrack that only you know because of your incredible career. Well, it is one of the most challenging tracks. Uh, you, you're seeing speeds at probably about 205, 210 miles per hour going into turn one, heavy braking. So I think brakes are going to be really challenging. I've had a brake failure in turn one, so I can tell you how dangerous and how uh, you know, on the edge you can be with the equipment as well as as a driver, you have to adapt to three unique corners. And I think this is a track that the best of the best in NASCAR uh, rise to the top. And, and, and you know, if you're going to win, you're going to have to beat the best. Great catching up with you. Uh, next time uh, we, we'll see each other at some concert or some appearance at some point in the near future. In the meantime, I got to tell you, in all honesty, I love listening to you. I don't watch NASCAR races. Uh, all the time when I do like I remember watching different races this year and pointing out to my son like that that's a guy who knew it did it and relates it so well to the fans you do an awesome job and we really appreciate you joining us on Fox Sports Radio well I appreciate it it's great to be on the show and uh, I hope the next time I see you we're having as much fun as we did the last time yeah, it was a good time, man. It was a really good time. Although I, I, I remember turning to Jeff Gordon, like everyone who goes and sees uh, um, the, the Chainsmokers, and I've seen him twice now, uh, and the other time, honestly, was with Aaron Rodgers, and then we hung out with the Chainsmokers afterwards. And they're great guys, but I, I do remember, and they'll actually cop to this. Like, we got to get them, um, you and Cindy, Ryan, need to, we need to get the Chainsmokers on at some point in time, and they'll cop to this, because everyone has the same reaction, like, I could do that. Like when you watch, if you go to watch a Bruno Mars concert, okay. So, and if you follow me on Instagram, you know we did a little uh, carpool karaoke this morning. It's more carpool lip sync, really, because nobody wants to hear me sing with my kids to to Bruno to Bruno Mars this morning. But if you watch a go watch a Bruno Mars concert, there isn't anything that he does that I could do. Like he can sing, I can't do that. He can he raps. I could maybe I could spit a rhyme or two if it was written. If it was pre written for me. He can dance and he can play seemingly every instrument, right? Like it's crazy how talented that dude is. And you're like, I got nothing. I got nothing. I, mean, I might be able to take him to low post because he's a little fellow. But other than that, nothing I could do with Bruno Mars. You go watch the Chainsmokers and everybody like, I could do that. Like I just, if I just like, are they even spinning records back there? Is it pre-recorded? I, I could do that. <laughs> could do that.
Uh, we'll allow you to express yourself. Uh, I have been expressing myself all day. 877-99 on Fox is the phone number. 877-99 on Fox. Uh, actually, let me give you the actual digits to that. That's 877-996-6369. If the season were to end tonight, and it might probably will actually happen, what's your takeaway? Express yourself. 877-99 on Fox after we find out what's trending. Oh, look at you guys. Me and Jeff Gordon shared a moment. Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Music, would you go to it? Did you go to the Chainsmokers concert at the Super Bowl? Because I know you were there. Byer was there, although Byer didn't know that you and I hung out at the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's true. Um, he's, and he's still bitter about it. He's not, and he's not happy at all. Is that true, Dan? No, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm fine little, with it. Little, little, little. Just I like. Little. I just. Like, I still remember the shot you took at me of like you wouldn't even have known me anyway at the Fire. Super Bowl. I still remember that, Doug. That's that's on the bulletin board. But, <laughs> but I, I would, I wouldn't just because there wasn't, there wasn't like the Dan Byer show. I couldn't have, like if I would have known like right. No, no, I, I'm going to say wrong. I'm going to say wrong. You could have said a hey, what's up? You know, that's all. But I was still under contract with a different company. I couldn't have gone up to your set and be like, hey, dude, what's up? Hey, that didn't stop Grande time with you and Ryan. You know, let's, uh, let's, get, the, let's get the it mochas. Was an interv- and, I, was interviewing, uh... I was interviewing him. <laughs> he was so, he, he has to be so, he was so nervous. It was cute. He was so nervous. Uh, music, you were nervous, weren't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He was, he was stuttering, stumbling all over himself because, you know, also he knows I'm friends with McIntyre. And at the time he was producing McIntyre's show and it's supposed to be like triple secret. Don't don't talk to Jason McIntyre. Don't tell Jason McIntyre that we're talking. McIntyre knows everything anyway. Right. Like that guy, he runs a website, which all they do is find out information on our business. And we're supposed to keep it secret from him. It was the, that that whole process was a little different. I'm Ryan. sorry. I'm no, I was going to say that uh, Ryan, you know, there's one of the days, Doug, I realized that Ryan just wasn't on his game at the Super Bowl. That was yeah. probably the day he was meeting with you because he was so focused on that. Wow. How about that? You weren't on your games. Now you he's know? calling you out. Now, Man. first he's calling me out for not saying <laughs> hi to him. <laughs> oh, just making it. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan was like, great dude, all week By the long. way, Ryan, at the Super Bowl, which is basically all, it's producer week, right? It's all your job to, I mean, seriously, if you screw up, at the, uh, you screw up next year at the Super Bowl, like you are in fact fired. I just, I got to <laughs> tell you, I have incredible, I've had incredible weeks of the Super Bowl before with incredible interviews. I expect nothing less this year in Minnesota. We will have a captive audience, right? Like, can't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I believe he just pointed out that you didn't do a very good job one day. You guys smell that? <laughs> I think it's I think it's all the dirty laundry that's just being no, aired out yeah. right now. Yeah, there's no, no, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't leaking. I threw it out there completely. The <laughs> yeah. whole large load of, yeah. of, of darks just yeah, threw it out there. Yeah, it's just totally reeking out here. No, I mean, look, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm ready for the challenge as always. You're not really answering the, the question whether or not you mailed it in one day because you were so focused. He didn't. On the no, I was just, no, I was just, I was, I was a little bit pulling his leg. A little bit. No. A little bit. Come on. I was so, come Doug, on. I was so drunk that week. The whole thing was a blur. So, <laughs> buyer. Uh, all right. Uh, you know what? Let's give everybody a chance to uh, to get some. It's a Friday. You're driving home. You might be in traffic. You're in the afternoon uh, on the East Coast. You're midday on the West Coast. You're getting to a lake. You're getting to a beach. You're getting to a pond. Uh, whatever you're getting to do, give you a chance to get something off your chest. 877-996-6369. Express yourself. 
express yourself. Time to express yourself. I express myself wearing yoga pants. Call Doug, 877-996-6369. All right, you know what I'm going to have to do, Dan? I'm going to have to let you express yourself. Because well, I'm going I'm to express myself. I, look, I think the series is over tonight. I just do. They put so much into that game, so much energy. And, uh, like, you could hear it in uh, Kyrie Irving's voice when he when he kind of said afterwards, like, I'll be thinking about that shot for a long time. I mean, they, they played, LeBron played all but two minutes the other night, and he was out of gas. I, I think it's over. Yeah, there was no way, even if they won game three, that I think that they win tonight. And and if you've got an opportunity, because tonight tonight is a night, Doug, that I don't think is an active watching night for a lot of people. The, the Warriors likely going to win tonight. Just sit back and watch. But while you're sitting back and just kind of taking it in, just notice how easy the Warriors score and how much the Cavaliers have to work for their buckets. And that's what it, that, that, that's what was so evident in me and, uh, for me in game three. And there were a lot of people saying, Warriors are this many turnovers and they're you know, still in the game. And, and this and that. and the, the the issue is the Warriors get so many easy buckets while LeBron and Kyrie exert so much informa- or so much uh, energy, energy to try yeah. to get baskets that it was just – there was no way the Cavs were going to have enough gas to win tonight's game four, whether they were only down 2-1 or now down 3-0. You know, that's I think a, it, it's a, it's a, it, it really is a great point you make. We talk about the energy that's expended, one, you know, either in shooting threes, but, but uh, two, also, they get a chance to um, – uh, they get a lot of layups, right? Sure. They, they get a lot of layups. Like pe- people, people miss game two. They hit a ton of threes, and the 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 dagger three that Kevin Durant hit ultimately uh, was was the game winner. How about this? How about when Kyrie is going one on one, the four other Warriors could just stand there and I, I mean maybe you give help at one point, but you're also getting rest on that end for Golden State as well. Uh, all right, let's go to Trevor in Oregon. You're on the Doug Gottlieb show. Trevor, express yourself. My call. Um, I, you know, no doubt in my mind of that the Warriors are going to take this game. But if Cleveland somehow manages to pull it off, does that put any sort of pressure on the Warriors uh, facing the potential comeback that the Cavaliers, uh, because of what happened last year? Yeah, I, I don't think I, I think that's that's probably the most interesting part about tonight is that they don't want to leave any doubt. Like we just had Michael Thompson on like an hour ago, Clay Thompson's dad, who's you know former two time NBA champion. He even said like I'm not going to say it's over until it's actually like none of the Warriors, none of them are given into this like this thing is over yet because of they're still kind of gun shy because of what happened last year. Absolutely, you win one game, they're still the favorite, but. Now all of a sudden you got a game and you can't win you can't win four unless you win one. All right, take more of your calls. Upcoming next, uh, Clay Travis was on with Jason Whitlock. Wow, like that's when when that amount of power is on for Colin Cowherd, who is still under the weather. Wait to hear what Clay said, which I thought was a really, really interesting point. I don't know if it's if it's going to play out as true at Oklahoma. What Clay said about being the man who follows the man. We'll play What Did the Fox Say next. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, We had quite the interesting day today. Uh, 
Brian No filled in, right, for, for Clay Travis. I was up early in the East Coast listening to that. Clay was out in L.A., so he was actually on with Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock hosted for Colin Cowherd because Colin was sick. I point this out. Not only do we have a great sports radio lineup, we got great fill-ins, like Jason Whitlock filling in for Colin was, was awesome earlier today. And we like to tout that by uh, every day playing something interesting said by somebody in the last 24 hours on Fox Sports Radio. We call it, What Did the Fox Say? And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? Like I said, Clay was on with um, with Jason Whitlock, and they got into a discussion about college football. Now, Clay's area of expertise is really more the SEC than the Big 12, but I thought this was interesting in regards to Lincoln Riley, 33 years old, taking over for Bob Stoops. My biggest fear would be it's always hard to take over after the guy. And like I said, the only team that has ever been able to do better than replacing a legend. Look at what happened when Mac Brown went out, Phil Fulmer went out, uh, Texas and Tennessee. You look at these guys who get blown out who are really successful, and the guys who replace them typically aren't. Um, I would be surprised if Lincoln Riley can have anywhere near the success as Bob Stoops. Not a knock on Riley, just a sign of how good Stoops was. Hmm. Uh, look, it's, a, it's fascinating to watch how guys replace all-time great coaches. Uh, you look back at Florida, for example, and Steve Spurrier was replaced by Ron Zook. That didn't work, right? And then Ron Zook was replaced by Urban Meyer. That didn't. Urban Meyer was replaced by Will Muschamp. Like, that didn't work. Um, and part of the Muschamp thing was they could never figure out the quarterback position. But And, and Muschamp's back in the SEC now at, at, uh, at South Carolina. Um, the same could be said at Nebraska. When their greatest coach ever retired, uh, that didn't work. I'm, I'm trying to think of a place in which it did. The one thing that Lincoln Riley has going for him is he's kind of got a jump start because he's left with a championship caliber team, and Texas still isn't Texas just yet. Right? That, like that's really what it, it kind of comes down to. If 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 Stoops had left and Texas had solidified themselves back atop or one of the top two teams in the Big 12, it would have been a really, really hard job. But I do think that if the staff remains and you have a senior two-time Heisman Trophy finalist quarterback, you can't ask for a better opportunity. So to me, this is a little bit like the you can't follow the man and be successful is a little bit like college coaches aren't good NBA coaches. Because oftentimes when coaches leave, when legendary head coaches leave, they don't get to pick their successor or they don't pick the right time to leave. They leave when they've run out of gas, right? They leave when they didn't have the energy in recruiting. Stoops left and he was essentially on top of the Big 12. He didn't leave when he was 70 years old or there was no traumatic event. Like, they had had everything. They kind of have the thing rolling a little bit. They just opened the new facilities, which are better than just anybody's in the league. Like, Texas has to redo some of their facilities to come up to speed. Those are better than Oklahoma State's. And, like, that's who you're competing with in the Big 12 right now. And like, TCU, it's, it's hard for them to – they'll be better next year, but it's hard for them to be consistently competitive. Texas Tech can't stop anybody. They're not – they're not a real challenger. Kansas, no. I, I know. When, tell me when Kansas goes Division One in football. So, um, I mean, like, Kansas State is good, but everybody knows the second Bill Snyder walks away, that thing's over there for a while. I mean, it's, it's going to be really hard to replace. Look at what happened when he retired previously and Ron Prince took over. 
It is hard to replace the guy, but it's a lot like college basketball coaches, college football coaches. They don't work in the NFL. Most times, college football and college basketball coaches were taking bad jobs. Once Billy Donovan took a good job, Brad Stevens took a job that was that they had reasonable early expectations for, they've been allowed to grow. Whereas when Lon Kruger or uh, Leonard Hamilton, when they made the jump to the NBA, they failed, but they failed because everybody would have failed at those jobs. Everybody. So, look, it does not bode well for Lincoln Riley that historically legendary coaches are usually not. Tom Izzo, by the way, was was anointed the guy given a year, yeah, like a year and a half to get up and running. And when Judd Heathcote retired, he did take over and he's been better than Judd Heathcote was. And Judd Heathcote was great. So it, it has happened in basketball. Football's been more difficult. Um, Saban was great at LSU. But in many ways, Les Miles was more consistently great. Obviously, they're a lot longer period of time. It's hard to follow the guy. But I do think some of it is the context of each of them and being handed a good job or a great job or a great team to help you get up and running. Um, Chris Broussard was on Undisputed today. Take a listen to what he said about the differences in the difficulty of competition that LeBron has faced as opposed to what Michael Jordan faced. This is by far a team better than anybody Jordan faced. Jordan never faced a team with more than two Hall of Famers. In fact, five of his opponents had only one Hall of Famer, or four of his opponents had only one Hall of Famer. LeBron, this team has four Hall of Famers, four guys who've been all NBA, the best backcourt in NBA history, two MVPs in their prime, and I'm going even further. Michael Jordan, of the six opponents he faced in the finals, only nine players were Hall of Famers. And I'm counting Utah's duo of Stockton and Malone twice. LeBron so in his eight trips to the finals, boy, Shannon, boy, him, 26 Hall of Famers what? he's played against. 26 Hall of Famers. Like, he's just throwing out numbers that don't make any sense. Like, I'm just, I'm sorry. Like, Jason Kidd was, Jason Kidd is a Hall of Famer. He wasn't a Hall of Famer when they played against Jason Kidd in the Dallas Mavericks. It was a one-man team was Dirk Nowitzki, and they lost, and, and LeBron was bad. And, yeah, the Spurs were awesome, and Ginobili was a Hall of Famer. But, like, Tim Duncan was a shell of the player he used to be the last two times they played the Spurs. Like, you know? And, oh, yeah, by the way, he had Chris Bosh, who's probably a Hall of Famer, I would guess, and Dwayne Wade, who's a Hall of Famer, with him. And when he went to Cleveland, he's got Kyrie Irving, who, like, if we're using the same thing, as a guy like, got to be a Hall of Famer. And by the way, like, Draymond Green's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Come on, dude. And neither is Clay Thompson. They're really good players. The bigger thing is this. You can tell me all this stuff about LeBron you want. His team's going to lose in the finals, and he was outplayed at the same position by another player in the final series. More on uh, Game 4 upcoming next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. What up? It's the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, live and direct from the uh, Nutmeg State. That's Connecticut. I actually don't think it's a Nutmeg State anymore, but that doesn't really matter. You tell people the Nutmeg State or from Connecticut, they're like, yeah, sure, go, go, we'll go with it. Anyway, broadcasting live from the 860 
I know there's other area codes actually. 203 is actually acceptable too, but I'm an 86 go. Oh, guy. I've, I've always remained true to the 86. So um, there's so much stuff to get to with tonight's game, right? Like, does it? And and I have, I've I've heard a lot of oh well you know Jordan was swept like look dude when Jordan was swept by the Bull by the Celtics in his second year he didn't play most of the season and it was arguably the greatest Celtics team ever and he dropped forty nine and sixty three in the first two games in his three game series excuse me five game series but like I don't know look if you want your LeBron off ramp that LeBron's still better than Jordan okay you can have that just I don't know guys play in the same spot. And has been a little bit better than him and has been better than him in the most important part of the game, the fourth quarter. Right? Like, I can still love LeBron and say, like, well, that didn't happen to Jordan. Nobody was better at his position than him in the NBA Finals. Even if we dismiss the losing because they don't have as good a talent, especially as good a 2017 shooting talent. Um. You know, we should bring on we should bring on Ricky Davis, who's part of the big three. That's the new three on three league, which you're going to see on uh, Fox Sports One, who played with LeBron during his rookie year. And uh, Ricky Davis, who's going to get bu- I'm sure going to get buckets in the big three because he was born getting buckets. He will die getting buckets. He is a bucket getter. And he joins us on the Doug Gottlieb show. Ricky, how are you? I'm doing well, Doug. How you doing? Good, man. Uh, what are your thoughts on the series so far? Ah, man, it's oof. It's what Golden State paid for. Um, you know, it's it's been going all Golden State, but <laughs> Cleveland, uh, they need to step up. I, I didn't think they were going to, you know, show out like that and not win a game. But um, it's tough to beat those guys. They're, they're, they're playing, you know, on a whole nother level. They are. Um, but it, it does seem to me that suddenly now – because they're being beaten, people are like, oh, the talent is so much better. Like, look, Steph, Clay, and Durant are great, right? But but, right. but Draymond's more about fit than being, like, some superstar. And this is more about, like, uh, obviously, Kevin Love is just not at that level in this style of basketball. Isn't it more styles than actual depth of talent? It, it definitely is. It's definitely different styles and, and different toughness. Um you know, you got a whole group of guys. You got a lot of all-stars on that team that actually know how to play and, and go get it every night. Um, you know, it's a difference from some stars and different stars. You know, they do it in different ways. You know, no knock on Kevin Love. Uh, you know, Kevin Love is going out there getting double-doubles, 20s and, and 12s and 15s. You know, he's doing what he does. Uh, you know, everybody's getting on Kevin Love, but that's just the player he is. 20 points and 13 rebounds every night. Uh, they're looking for something different, you know. Who's a, who's a who's a better basketball player right now, LeBron or KD? Right now? Yeah. KD. Why? You mean in this in the in in this playoffs? I, yeah, sure. Or you I mean, mean like all I, I don't in know. General. I, it, well, it, you know, all in general, right now in this era, the best players are LeBron. But this playoff series and this playoff race, uh, KD's playing amazing. He's playing defense that guys question him about all of, every time, and you know he's playing tough. Yeah, that was really the questions about him was selfish the, basketball, and he's, he's playing good. So I guess I guess the question, like, look, I would agree with you. Over their careers, LeBron has been better, but when we see them both play against each other, and then Kevin Durant is better at the end of the game. 
And I will grant you, the, the first two games, the game was over essentially in the fourth quarter. It didn't really matter. But the fact is, he's he's been better in the fourth quarter than LeBron. Like, I don't – some people are having a tough time accepting the fact that even though LeBron has been better, KD is better now. I just wonder – how do we draw conclusions as to who's the better overall basketball player at least 2017? Is it only this series or is it the whole year? And this is just exposing what the whole year is. Well, it, it is, it is highlighting what the whole year has been, but you know, um, I think, uh, I think we're all looking for LeBron to be Michael Jordan and LeBron's not Michael Jordan. So, we have these talks, you know, but uh, LeBron's definitely not a finisher like Mike was. So uh, KD's a finisher, and that's what he does. He goes and finishes the game, and that's the kind of player he is. All right, so you got the the big three, the three-on-three league. So it's you, Mo Evans, dude. Mo Evans, there's a dude who can get some buckets yeah. now, too. I, I like – Oh, yeah. I Do I like your guy's team, right? So it's you, Mo Evans, Ivan Johnson, and then is Joe Smith still going to play? Joe Smith and, and Marcus Banks. Oh man, you got I, and I think I, I think we're we're small, but I think we got a great basketball IQ. Well, plus you guys, you're you're small, but again, this is like your. I'm I'm guessing your team is a mirror of 2017 hoop, right? Like you guys can all spread out, you can all get, you can switch everything defensively. Like I like the makeup of your team. Exactly, exactly, and it's a technique to playing three on three basketball. Um, you know, it's different. Uh, you know, you know, need guys that's going to be able to move fast, move quick, and be able to shoot that ball. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, um, Ricky Davis joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Okay, so I guess my biggest fear is, though, with guys who are like, sorry, dude, you're like an old head now. Like week one, week <laughs> yeah. one, I got it. You'll be fired, fired out of a cannon, right? Week one, Barclays, <laughs> New York City, you're ready to go. Week two, I'm all right, you're still. Week three is where I'm concerned, Ricky. I'm concerned that week three, guys are like, man, this is a, that's a lot of points to score. This is a physical. Like you guys are doing hand checking his back. Like Ice Cube wants this thing to be physical, like the '90s. I'm concerned about week it three. Is, it's gonna be tough for some guys. For some guys, it's gonna be tough, but. You know, you. I think for us, like I said, we got guys that can still actually actively move and still act, actually go out there and play a game. Um, so, so it's going to be easy, easier for us. Uh, you know, it's going to be tougher for some of those older guys. You know, I would like to see what week three and four definitely looks like, um, and I think that's going to be to our advantage. You think this year the uh, NBA Finals is over tonight? Yeah, I think it's over. It's over. It was over last night after the win. You know, of course, we've seen LeBron and them come back three games, of course. But uh, with this new addition with KD and uh, McGee and all these guys, uh, they're on a whole nother level. All right. So, like, if you were if you were to talk to Chris Paul, so Chris Paul can make fifty million more. Now, granted, there's another year more on the contract. So he could make up some of that with if he signed another contract afterwards. Like it's not not really 50, say he made 20. So he, but even if it's like 30 million dollars difference. He made 30 million dollars less to to go to San Antonio and try and win a championship. Or he could stay with the Clippers, try and get guys to join him, but knowing it's the Clippers, they haven't even been past the second round of the playoffs. Looking at the Golden State Warriors and the likelihood they stay together, how would you advise him? Uh, 
I would actually, that's a great question. Um, well, you know, I'm all about, um, I think I think Chris Paul's in a great spot where he is now. I think he takes his money, uh, continues that security for his family and his, and his, and his rest of his career, and, um, you know, try to bring a championship over there. I think they may just get Blake healthy and a, two or three more pieces. Maybe add Carmelo or something like that. And next thing you know, they got another great, great team. Um, him going to San Antonio, uh, I think maybe in the later, a little later in his career, I think will be a good move. But right now, I think Chris Paul still has a little, a lot of juice left. Oh, I, I do too. Plus, even if he doesn't make the finals, he can always wipe away tears with those fifty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sad. I'm wiping away my, my yeah. but, but dude. <laughs> All right, Ricky, I can't I can't wait to see you get buckets in the three-on-three. Thanks for joining us, man. We'll catch up in person soon. Hey, thanks for having me, man, for sure. All right, there's Ricky Davis. Of course, Iowa legend. Dude, was a, he was a bucket. He's a bucket getter. In what position? Bucket getter. I get buckets. Marcus Banks. You guys remember Marcus Banks? He played it at, um, at UNLV. Uh, and then Mo Evans played at Wichita State and then at Texas. I played with him on a tour team in Greece. I can't believe these guys are still hooping. Uh, I can do it on the offensive end, but not the defensive end. I could not guard those guys. I can't guard Marcus Banks on the defensive end. That, that, ain't, that ain't happening. Jason McIntyre is going to do a victory lap. So he's uh, he's got his own radio show on the weekends on Fox Sports Radio. He has his own website, The Big Lead. Uh, you've seen him periodically. Of course, he's on uh, Speak for Yourself on Fox Sports 1. And uh, he called the Warriors uh, – he called the sweep. That's what he did. They have not swept yet, but that's not going to stop our boy Jason McIntyre from doing a victory lap on my show next. Broadcasting live from the studios of Fox Sports Radio, here's Doug Gottlieb. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over 3000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. I know he wants to build me, a, build himself as the smartest man on earth. So we'll just welcome in Jason McIntyre, who hosts his own show on what Sunday mornings, Jason. Saturday mornings, dude. Saturday what, mornings. What week are you going to get this right, Doug? It's called the it's it's the, the big lead on Fox Sports Radio. The website's the big lead. Jason McIntyre. Also, see him on Speak for Yourself. Saturday mornings on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, he predicted. So what, wait, wait, Doug. What? Doug, why am I the smartest guy in the world? Because I called the sweep. I mean, yeah. does that really make me that smart? I I don't know. I mean, that's like I would put that on your I would put that on my my tombstone if I were you. Like I called the Warrior sweep. <laughs> None of us. I don't know anybody else who called a sweep. I, I said I, I thought the Warriors were better. Lap. I thought they'd win in. I just I thought they would win on Cleveland's home floor. I thought Cleveland would find a way to win a game. So I was like, eh, I don't know them in six, right? That was the that was the one. I, I you know you went out on a limb and you yeah, you probably be rewarded like, tonight. Kyle Korver hits that shot and I look like a buffoon, right? I mean Listen, that's what's so cool about what we do, right, Doug? That's the coolest part. If Kyle Korver hits that shot from the corner, all the narratives are changed. Everything we're going to talk about here, everything you spoke about yesterday, that's all out the window, and it's a totally different discussion. Like, oh, geez, the Warriors just lost for the first time. You know, how, how would they handle it mentally? And there's drama, but he missed, and Kevin Durant, the killer, came down and, you know, kind of won the game. I mean, listen, the Kevin Durant stuff is, is out of control. Okay? What's out of control about it? 
the way he's playing at this level. He's now the best player in the NBA. I, okay. It's a fact, right? I don't know if it's – I mean, I like, look, he's playing better than LeBron James. They're playing essentially the same position against each other in the finals, and Kevin Durant's been better, especially better at the most important part of a game. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a pretty logical conclusion to make. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just when you float this online, I know the social media people have beef with it, but if you go play hoops, I know you do frequently, a lot of guys are seeing it. Here's the thing. LeBron's 32. He's got a lot of miles. He's the second most playoff minutes in NBA history, okay? Seven straight finals. It's pretty clear three straight fourth quarters. He hasn't had it. He's out, been outscored, what, 31-11 to 11 in the fourth quarter by Durant. Durant's shooting 66% in the fourth, LeBron 36. I mean, listen, this isn't knocking. It's not a knock on LeBron to say that Durant's now the best player in the league. But, Doug, here's a question to you. Seven straight finals for LeBron. Mm-hmm. A lot of minutes. A lot of points. The guy's clearly tired. If you have the first pick in the NBA draft right now and every player is available, you're taking Kevin Durant first overall, right? Yes. There you go. All right, dog. Maybe I am the smartest man. <laughs> no, listen. Again, again you, you, you know, listen, you make illogical statements about the Chicago Bulls of – uh, 95, 96, not being able to guard these guys, which is just, I well, mean, like. Well, you want to you jump into, I thought I was going to save that lead for number two, and we'd get there in a sec. But if you want to go to the Bulls, we could go to the Bulls. We could go to those old men who averaged, I believe, 93 points a game in those finals, okay? And we could discuss them chasing around these younger Warriors who are putting up 121 a game. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of different. You know, like, look, it's impossible to compare in terms of defensive styles. All I can tell you is, like, Scottie Pippen's a better defender than anybody on the court right now, right? And he fits the bill. He fits the bill of the perfect 2017 defensive player. Michael Jordan was an incredible defensive player. And again, one of the underrated parts about Jordan was he. He didn't seem to tire. Or when he was tired, he still played great. Um, at that point in time, they had Dennis Rodman, not Horace. Horace Grant was a great athlete, but they didn't have Horace Grant, in, in, I believe, in, in 95, 96. 96 yeah. And, like, Dennis Rodman would be a great – I mean, can you imagine, Dennis Rodman is so much tougher and better defensively and as a rebounder and, frankly, defender, Not obviously not the offensive player that, mm-hmm. uh, that Draymond is, but, like – He's he's a better version of Draymond Green with everything other than the shooting and maybe the passing. Um, the I actually problem, think they match up. And then you got Ron Harper and Tony Kukoc. Like if they were going to go play small ball, like they'd be fine. That's a that's like, a really well, good they, team. I mean, listen, you're talking about again in a slowdown 1996 game. Rodman's fine, you know, where you're milking shot clock, but this is up tempo, run and gun. The pace is absurd. Rodman's 34. Ron Harper 32. Jordan, 32. These guys were a little, like, I know people, Jordan was a great defender, undeniably, okay? Chasing Steph Curry around for 40 minutes is totally different than anything he ever did in his career. Uh, we could, uh, Steph Curry, all he does is run around screens. He does not stop running. It's incredible what they do now. And, and Doug, listen, you played in the 90s. I liked the 90s. I enjoyed that basketball. But the pace, it's like, go watch on NBA TV. Or even think back to your experiences. It's like a different game now. No, it is. It is a different it game, is. and that's what. That's why it's totally it's, 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 in, it's impossible. If you allowed the Bulls to hand check, then this would be a wrap, right? I mean, like, you know, like, so Michael Jordan, who's who's Steph Curry going to guard? He guard. They hide him on Harper. Like, okay, hide him like, on Ron Harper. But that's the next question, Doug. That yeah. '96 Bulls team, as good as they were, 
go look at the stats. Like Jordan, 30 points a game, and then the drop-off was like, oh, Scottie Pippen, like 18. Uh, Tony Kukoc, 13. And then it was like a bunch of single-digit guys. Well, well, they one won't of give the, Scottie the, Pippen any three-pointer he wants. Uh, but they were also, but he wants from the perimeter. Take them all. But wait, you, you also have to remember that part of it was th- this was – it got to the point where it was so physical that they had to they had to change the rules. That's what they they had to change the rules to open it up to get more scoring because people weren't watching the NBA. So it was a it was a reaction to the overall dominance of that team. That team was so good uh, defensively and offensively in terms of knowing their roles. They were they were amazing. They completely took people out of what they wanted to do defensively. Now the defensive style was different for the time. And it's in, impossible to compare. All right, last the most important thing is this: Are we now forever? Unable to put LeBron at the level of Jordan. Yeah. Not because yeah, it, not, not because he's lost, but dude, like people are saying, well, you know, he played great until the last three minutes. Well, first of all, last three minutes matter most. Second of all, he started ten of eleven. <laughs> he started ten of eleven, had twenty-one points in the first twelve minutes. He finishes five of sixteen. Now I don't know whether he can't pace himself or whether or not they're adjusting defensively, but how many times do we have to see that he likes to defer, whether because he's tired or he thinks that's the right play, instead of taking over a game late? Okay, well, hold on, hold on. That's several things. First of all, we can agree that the pass to Corver was the right move. Durant was waiting for him in the lane. Getting a shot over Draymond and Durant would have been a major challenge. Would we agree that the pass to Corver was right? Guys mm, over 50% uh, in the corner. I, I honest, in all honesty, like, Corver was open and it was a good screen. But part of it is, like, dude, and even even Ty Lue said so afterwards. Listen, actually, you know what, Ramos, do you have that cut for me? Ty Lue said after the game, this is coding. This is, and I, like, I know you love basketball um, and play basketball now. I know you didn't play basketball in college. Like, let me I let wish. me play for you. Let me play for you what Ty Lue said and what he actually means. All right, he. Um, I'm paraphrasing now for a second. He said that we need we needed to. At- I think he said we need to attack more. We needed to be more aggressive. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Okay, hold on. But when do, do you have it for me, Ramos? I apologize. We, I I threw this out. But was he ta- when, when Ty Lue was saying that, Doug? Was he talking about Kyrie who attacked all game and then settled for some? Eh, jumpers there in the final two minutes. And listen, I don't know if you saw that video I tweeted out by uh, Basketball Breakdown, yep. how they showed, like, offensively, uh, they were a mess in the final two minutes. Yes. A complete mess. They were, not well, they were, not, they were, well, they were not well coached by Tyron Lue. And if LeBron oh. James is supposedly the smartest player, like, we're all taught about how how smart his basketball IQ is. They didn't understand time, score, situation. Whereas if you go back and you listen to Kevin Durant, he said, I got the rebound. It was 45 seconds left. I, he knew exactly how many possessions left they would get the basketball. So there's a, it's, ama- it's amazing to me how you can fool, you can fool a lot of people with, with the, well, LeBron is the smartest basketball player. Like, they played dumb. They stopped moving the ball. They, they, they drove right into the help. They, they weren't getting open shots. And their own coach was saying they need to be – when somebody says you need to be more aggressive, that means you need to get to the rim and make the official call a foul. And I can't tell whether it's he, whether he's fallen into this. I want to make the great pass, or whether he's scared to shoot free throws because he's not a great free throw shooter. But whatever it is, this is this is who he's become. Late in the game, he'd rather kick off than drive into contact and make the official call the foul for the star player. The way they used to for Jordan, like I'll admit, like Jordan would get calls, but he would get calls because he was aggressive as opposed to LeBron being passive. 
Yeah, but I'll say this. First of all, Skip Bayless has been on this LeBron free throw shooting thing all season. Let's give him some props. But also, Cowherd noticed this, and we talked about it on his show earlier this week. It's one thing for LeBron to just attack Gary Payton and some of those other guys. Gary Payton, a great defender. Clay Thompson's 6'7". He's heavier. He, he's, he's a, I, I don't know that he's as good of a point guard defender as Gary Payton, but Clay Thompson's had an incredible series defended, defending uh, Kyrie Irving. And I like his chances to perform well or admirable against Michael Jordan. I know that's oh. blasphemous to people who say Michael Jordan never missed a shot. Clay, listen, you know Clay. He's a, he's a Cali kid. Okay. He's a great defender, Doug. I mean, he's tremendous. Okay. He, easy, easy kid. He, he's a very good defender. He, like, it's different guarding Jordan I'm than guarding. I'm not stopping okay. Jordan. Listen, we, John Stark forced Jordan into like a three for twenty-two game. Okay, the guy had his off nights. He missed shots. I know people don't want to believe that. No, he did. He he would he would he would he would he would miss shots. Um, the the other kind of take a listen to what Kevin Durant said. So you have LeBron, who who we would agree at times says, "Well, I'd like to make the right basketball play." Right. Mm-hmm. Listen to what Kevin Durant said about the last shot. You know, I just wanted to take that shot, you know, and also it was a good time. I mean, it was only, it was 45 seconds to go. We were down to, you know, if I missed, we could have got another stop, but um glad I was able to knock that down. I just tried to stay disciplined in my shot, hold my follow through and uh it went in. So, but more importantly, we got two stops after that. So uh we got to build on that, but we got to be better at game four. There's more Jordan in that statement alone than in any LeBron statement of, you know, I just want to make the right basketball. But, like, I just – I want to make the shot. I wanted the pressure of it. I, I welcomed it. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, I knew we had to get stops. Like, I just I, – I, I think that we're so caught up in, has LeBron had a better career? Yeah, he's been a better player throughout his career. But at this particular juncture, if you can't use these three games thus far where two players – on opposite sides are playing against each other, and one is better and better in the most important situation, and his team is winning. Like, I don't know what more you can do. It's gotten to the point now to where now we're defaming the Cavaliers' personnel. Now we're like, oh, their players suck. Like, okay, (laughs) wait, Kevin Love Love was good. Kevin Love was good. Kevin Love was playing the best basketball of his life until now he stinks. Right, and now they're no, oh, yeah. their bench is terrible. Like no, they're 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 being made to look terrible, aren't they? Because no, it's the Warriors are great. Let let's just face it, they're the greatest team of all time. I heard Rasheed Wallace, and we posted this on the Big League today. Rasheed Wallace came out. Oh yeah, the 0-4 Pistons. We played defense, man. We would have shut these guys down. We would have eaten them for lunch, dude. You, you know, you remember those Pistons, right? The yep. 80 point a game Detroit Pistons from 2004. Like, yep. Rip Hamilton was their best player. Doug, we're at the point where these guys from the 90s and the early 2000s, they're trying to protect their own legacies. I'm sorry, Charles Barkley has been crapping on the Warriors or a soft jump shooting team for years. No, I'll say this. I'll legacy. say this about I'll say this Doug, about Barkley. The Warriors would sweep them so badly. I, I will say this so about badly. Barkley. Barkley has been consistent this year and in this series. I've heard him several times. They're just the Warriors are just better now. Look, and he says it, and and I would kind of I agree with your opening salvo where you said, hey, you know, it's different if Corver makes the shot. And yeah. maybe we have we have a completely different series. You're right, and that's where Barkley is wrong. I mean, we don't know what the Warriors would have done in reaction, but the the, the point is, um, uh, I, I think even Barkley has evolved on it and has respect for this team with 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 their weaponry. Last thing, okay? 
If the yep. season comes to an end tonight, and it very well could, and I think you're oh. are you picking the it's over tonight, right? Like the amount. Yeah, of, I'm taking. I'm their favor by six, so I, I I've got some shekels on the Warriors. Yeah. You got some shekels on the Warriors. Wow, I didn't know you knew the shekel to uh, to um, <laughs> dollar tra- translation. Um, I actually I'm gonna have to learn that because I'm going to Israel here in a couple weeks. Um, okay, so you got some shekels on the on the Warriors to win and to cover. If it comes to an end. How do we? How do you characterize this NBA basketball season? All right, it's to- awesome. I watched. I mean, I watched the playoffs. I watched all the finals games. Twenty million audience for Game Three on television, which is like the I think the best audience since two thousand one. I know people are back in the super teams. Um, all I've got to say is this, Doug. We, yes, we like competition, but we in America love greatness. We love Tiger Woods steamrolling the field. We love the New York Yankees rattling off. World Series after World Series. We love the Patriots dominating the NFL. We love those 90s Cowboys killing the NFL. Americans love greatness, Doug. And this Warriors team, I think they're the best NBA team of all time. And nobody's going to tell me that NBA fans are suddenly going to tune out when you could be watching the greatest team ever. I just, I don't buy that at all. He's not on drugs, folks. He's not on drugs, folks. He's just high on life because he's moved from upstate New York to Southern California, and he has found the... uh, (laughs) He's found the fountain of his youth. He's Jason McIntyre. Do I sound crazy, Doug? I mean, it's just passion, man. I love these boys. I I, I got it. Uh, uh, Stated, recorded. Got it. No, I'm I'm messing with you, Jason. Great stuff. Can't wait to hear your show tomorrow on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks for joining us, dude. Thanks, Doug. Take it easy. All right, quickly, let's uh, let's get to what's trending. Doug Gottlieb show. Nothing like Jason McIntyre is like a wind up doll, dude. He's so fired up, right? Like, he made one, like, great prediction. He's like, Warriors are going to sweep. They're just better. It comes right. He's just like, right now, he's like, I think they're the best team ever, and I just, I can't wait. Like, he could do, I think, if, if they win tonight, I think he could do all 24 hours of radio. Music, you've worked with him before. Am I, am I wrong? Like, he's so fired up by, by nailing this pick. He could do 24 hours consecutive of radio. Uh, I, without commercials. You without know, commercials. Jason's one of those guys where... All of a sudden, he'll he'll get an, an idea or he'll see a story, and he just gets so excited about it, and he just wants to talk about it, and he wants to give you his thoughts, and he wants to know your thoughts, and then he just wants to talk about it. For I, just, I, I just, I got to do it. I got to tell you. Yeah. I got to talk about it. I got to talk about it. And then, like, did you think about this? And then, like, what do you think about that? Because I think that this, and then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of exuberance. All right, let's get to the press. The press. What do you got, Dan Byer? Well, let's start with the NBA. Since we think the finals are over tonight anyway, let's look ahead. The Bleacher Report's Kevin Ding says the Lakers still aren't completely sold on taking Lonzo Ball with his second overall pick. Ball had his individual workout with the Lakers earlier this week. The report says the team's still also considering Josh Jackson from Kansas and Kentucky's De'Aaron Fox, in addition to Markel Fultz, who likely won't be there at two. You want hey, some ins- I appreciate you. Thanks a lot. You want some inside info? Yes. Okay. Lonzo Ball? So-so in his workout with the Lakers. Oh. Was supposed to go 80 minutes, only went 40 minutes. Uh, now, because um, he, I think, a little bit gassed, uh, but they were they were not blown away by Lonzo Ball. Uh, they're going to work all these guys out. Don't be stunned if Josh Jackson ends up being the guy. And, and here's the logical reason why. Uh, Luke Walden has told everybody that they, they cannot make losing a habit. 
that you can't make. And so uh, between the coaches he hires, the strength coach he hires, the people around it, like he wants people that have won at life. It's a big Magic Johnson thing as well to get as many people that have won. And Josh Jackson has the reputation of one being tough and being a winner. And uh, like, look, Lonzo didn't lose a game his last two years in high school when he won a lot of games at UCLA. But he, but there's there's some there's some holes there. Um, Josh Jackson might actually help you win more games in the regular season and help the overall culture of the place, and then you can get a star point guard elsewhere. I, I think it's it's not a locked up cinch. Um, I think De'Aaron Fox, who hasn't worked out yet, I heard he killed it in the Celtics workout. He's going to be out there to work out. Um, at the new facility, at the Lakers facility next week. He'll be great to work out. He's a great athlete, but he, mean, he can't shoot at all. I, I don't think they'll go De'Aaron Fox, even though he'll wow him in the workout. I think it'll be Josh Jackson or Lonzo Ball will be the pick. I'm going to allow myself one question because of all the rumors that we've heard over the last few days and, and maybe over the last few weeks. Do you think LeBron James is interested in what the Lakers do? Um, it wouldn't. Yeah, the Clippers are also a possibility. Mm-hmm. I th- I think he wants to try the LA thing, and I you know what? I can't really blame him. I mean, anybody who's not who, it's it's like LA or New York. Like at one point in time in your life, you got to try one of them. I'm getting a chance to try both, and then they're both awesome, and they're both very very different. And obviously, he has no desire to play for Phil Jackson. Yeah, I think Lakers would be, and I also think this. People are prematurely saying, like, LeBron, well, we, we're going to lose peak LeBron. He's not going to win a championship. The one thing that separates LeBron from Kobe, Kobe could never facilitate. That's just not who he was. So he couldn't transition to being the second or third best player on a team. LeBron can, and the lack of of scorer's ego at the end of a game may hurt him when he's the alpha, but it may help him if he's the second or third best player. Former Chicago Bears quarterback and now Fox broadcaster Jay Cutler says the Jets did reach out to him when he was cut by the Bears, but the sides could never reach a time to actually meet. In a podcast with Adam Schefter, Cutler says he didn't want to meet right away after his release from Chicago, and by the time he wanted to meet, he couldn't match up with the Jets and their coaches' schedules and team doctors, so the Jets ended up signing Josh McCown, and Cutler's now a broadcaster. Wow. Wait, wait. (laughs) Scheduling conflicts. Scheduling conflict? So they signed Josh McCown and said, look, dude, he's in a better – you didn't want to be quarterback of that team anyway. Probably probably for the best. Steelers kicker Chris Boswell got kicked out of game five of the Stanley Cup final last night. Four. I didn't know this. He didn't either. Banging on the glass. Yes, he got kicked out for banging on the glass during the couple of fights that we saw. Penguins won 6 nothing last night, up 3-2 with game six in Nashville. Was Sunday. he like putty? Was he yelling? He's, you know, <laughs> the Devils! Got sports team. Uh, got sp- got sports team. <laughs> I don't know if he's wearing his eight ball jacket or not, like Putty would. But uh, um, yeah, hanging out the glass last night. Sometimes Doug life can be cruel. Uh, for Tyvis Powell, it was today. The former Ohio State and current Cleveland Brown was scheduled to throw out the first pitch at tonight's Indians White Sox game. Yeah. The only problem is the Browns cut him today. So. Uh, let me you do my, go through hey, with it. I, hold on, hold on. Can I do my Vern Lundquist? Sure. <laughs> 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 Sorry, go ahead. Uh, 
<laughs> that's that was uh, my verm. My verm was pretty good. Yeah, it was. It actually was. Oh. I, I think you still go through with it. You know, why not? Maybe you'll get a nice round of applause from the Cleveland fans knowing what happened. Um, finally, this could be my, uh, one of my favorite stories in Florida. In the Brevard County Sheriff's uh, Office, they had to arrest a man for calling 911 just so he could get a ride to Hooters. <laughs> okay. In March, 28-year-old Jonathan Hinkle called 911 saying he urgently needed a ride to the Merritt Island Hooters because his grandmother had suffered a stroke in the parking lot. After a three-hour search, investigators couldn't find the grandmother, so they called her. Gail Strickland said that she told Hinkle three hours earlier uh, to pick up his belongings from his residence where she was staying because she was kicking him out. So he just needed a ride to Hooters, so he called the cops to pick him up. And no then they way. Went. Yes. That was... So he called the cops like they were Uber? <laughs> That's exactly what he did, and uh, they gave Wait, him a what, ride. What state was this in? This is in Florida, Florida right? Yeah, yeah. Near of the course, space it was coast. in Florida. Every story like this comes out of Florida. <laughs> the hell goes on in Florida? Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. Okay, so the question becomes: Does the kid go and do? You, do you go throw out the first pitch, even if you've been cut? I say yes, absolutely, I, absolutely. Uh, Byer, have you ever thrown out the first pitch? No, no, Byer. never have. I threw out the first pitch of an Angel game. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's some smoke coming off it. There's, there is, there is a little, <laughs> wow. there is a little truth to the like. Sosha asked what I was doing later if I had time oh, for the pen, oh. and I was like, I was like, Mike, here's the thing. I, I just, I don't like the way you handle a bullpen. I just, I, I couldn't do it. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, just a little bit. I mean, the problem is that my, I, I had trouble locating my curveball. Problem wasn't the fastball. Problem was the curveball. No, I threw out, um, I threw out the uh, first pitch in Angel game. That was fun. Um, I'd love to do it again. It, it's a it's a nerve-wracking experience because what happens is, like, at least when I did it, they were like, hey, don't bring a glove. And I was like, okay. And th- actually, you know what? I'll tell you the story. The story is kind of interesting. And um, and we'll, uh, we'll get you ready for tonight's game four. It just feels so weird that we could have no basketball. Oh, and we have an NBA champion who actually said his team would lose to the Warriors. Like, that never happens, right? Everybody else is like, oh, we kicked these guys' ass. Who is it? Find out next. Broadcasting live from the studios of Fox Sports Radio, here's Doug Gottlieb. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, so we actually had a guest who was an NBA champion and a great player who um, admitted the Warriors would beat his team. Like, that never happens, right? No one ever says that. I love this. Take a listen to what Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr was uh, meeting with the media earlier today, and I love Steve Kerr because he just just kind of has a matter-of-fact, sarcastic way of saying things, deadpanned, which... um, uh, if, like you, you can just easily get behind and go like, God, I, I love him. I, I understand why guys respect him and want to play for him. Here's Steve Kerr on all of these former NBA players coming out saying they would beat the Warriors. They're all right. They would all kill us. <laughs> <laughs> the game gets worse as time goes on. Yeah, it's, it's horrible to watch, right? So players are less talented than they used to be. The guys in the 50s would have destroyed everybody. <laughs> weird how human evolution is sort of like goes in reverse in sports. Players get weaker, smaller, less skilled. I, don't, I can't explain. 
Yeah, I mean, there's obvious sarcasm there. Michael Thompson joined us. Of course, he broadcasts for the Lakers. His son is Clay Thompson, plays for the Warriors. That that you need to know. But he did say this about whether or not his Lakers championship team, the best championship team was the 86-87 one, whether or not they could beat the Warriors. They don't have a Kareem posting up in the middle. But, hey, Kevin Durant can post up. Uh, Clay can score in the post. Draymond can get points in the in the, uh, in the lane. So they don't have the classic post-up uh, player, but they know how to do it. And uh, we didn't shoot. We couldn't shoot. My Laker teams couldn't shoot like the way the Warriors can. So, uh, to me, this Warriors team would beat us. Admittedly so, right? That, that never happens. No one ever goes like, yeah, you know what, these new, this new generation, better than mine. Better than mine. That 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 never happens. Never happens. So tonight we could, uh, you know, seal, I guess, what the legacy is for the Warriors. What's what's amazing about the Warriors is how we do kind of conflate, like, last season and this season. Like, we won 73 games, and they're going to win a championship. Like, well, hold on now. Time out. The 73-win team was different, had two different starters. <laughs> so... I'm not trying to diminish the 15 consecutive wins in the postseason. I'm just trying to paint accurate context to it. And painting accurate context is all you can do with LeBron. Like, LeBron statistically has been out of this world in the finals. And he hasn't been bad. Like, it's not like he's been bad. It's This has not been a Dallas Mavericks series for him. But it's amazing that and, – and LeBron will probably have a certain amount of I told you so because midseason he did say we need some better pieces around here. And they added Darren Williams, which hasn't worked out. He hasn't made a field goal yet. Look washed up. But a lot of those pieces that were there, LeBron wanted them to re-sign. His agent actually represents, which his agent works for LeBron James' agency. So there's just no accountability at all from LeBron or his people going like, yeah, this is kind of, we set this thing up and it's going to fail. It's going to come up short. But hey, they added fairly, they've never said no fair, but they added Kevin Durant. Look, the winner in this thing is KD. Um, I think Steph Curry wins a bunch too, considering how he struggled in his last two finals and how well he's played statistically, although he's turned the ball over a ton. And and I think Clay Thompson uh, like they fit together quite nicely. The big challenge will be one: can the Cavs win a game, and if not, can the rising, can can the can the what is it? The rising tide lift all ships. Can can the Warriors make others come to their level, or do they need an injury in order to come down to the Cavaliers' level, or down to the level of the Clippers? I believe we're going to see the last NBA basketball game of the season tonight. And I think it's because uh, because they, they are better. They do space the floor better. They do move the ball better. They don't revert back to isolation basketball. And I think that the Cavs extended, expended so much energy to come close that when Kyle Korver missed that shot and Kevin Durant made his, the air was out of the balloon. And it's really, really hard to put it back in. Have a great, safe weekend. Enjoy the warm weather wherever you are. We'll be back Monday on the Doug Gottlieb Show, only on Fox Sports Radio. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.